So it's the walk-off, Holden Kushner, Ryan Spader hanging out with you, taping this over Memorial Day weekend. Want to remind you, if you're listening right now, it means you got nothing else to do with your life, and you might as well rate and review us five stars on iTunes, right? Spader, let's go. Let's get it going. Got to get those ratings in. <laughs> got to get them in. We need 7,000 by the end of today, so let's do it. Get on. Or we're iTunes. fired. Yeah, I don't see that happening either, but... I would say five stars and how much you love us, and that would mean a lot to us. That would be a wonderful gift as uh, we're all stuck in the house here. Here's what's coming up on the show. I'm going to tell you why I'm still upset at Major League Baseball. I think I have been since, like, 1994. Uh, Jason Stark came out with a good column with a lot of what-ifs. What if there's a 400 hitter in a shortened season? What if the Indians win the World Series? We'll do that. Interesting thing on Tony Gwynn, too. But let's start with this here. Spader, this is an amazing moment for Major League Baseball, and we've talked about this for a while, how they will have the whole sports stage to themselves. They will gain fans if they figure out how to get baseball back before any of these other sports. And I get that this is a process that usually takes many months. I don't know, to eight, ten months? No one's ever done it, but I, I would think that it takes many, many months to come up with an agreement, but they don't have months. I mean, now that they've dragged their feet for so long that they've gotten into these arguments about how much pay should be and what the protocol should be, and we're hoping there's an owner's proposal that's out there this week and that Major League Baseball players can agree to it, but they don't have months anymore. They've had nothing to do but sit on their asses and come up with a way to get baseball back into the stream of consciousness. Baseball as the number one sport in America for the first time in decades. I mean, we just saw an athlete that hasn't played a game for 20 years take over the world of sports. Michael Jordan is the talk of sports right now, 20 years after he's played, really 22 since the end of that season, the last dance. And here we are with baseball. They would be by far and away the biggest season, and they just can't. They can't seem to get it together, Spader. It's driving me nuts. This is the sport that has been its own worst enemy for years and years and years. And I'm not confident they're going to get a deal done. Places are opening up. I'm here in Colorado. They said, come on back. We want to play baseball now. There's multiple states doing that. And still, we don't have a resolution. Yeah, um, I I think in the end, it's going to get done. I I do think it'll end up probably being a, a little bit on the sloppy end. Um, as things tend to be with Major League Baseball, because they, as you said, falter time and time again in times of crisis. Look at the 94, 95 strike, the 81 strike. We've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of the horrible playoff format that they came up with in 1981. And I think at this stage where it's not a strike that's holding back the game, it's a pandemic, an international pandemic, um, it 
it it, sh- it really needs to be done right here. Like you can't come back to the game uh, and then pull back at all. Every every there has to be a plan for everything in place. And um, I, I see why you maybe don't think it's going to get done at this point, but I I do. However, I, I do see some uh, some bumps along the way. Well, I don't only think about coming back. I think it's coming back first. You want to you want to capitalize on this opportunity. Yes. And if the NHL looks like they're coming back now, and if the NBA looks like they're coming back now, I'm going to tell you this: whichever sport comes back first, I will completely engross myself in. I promise you that. I'm going to be betting on it. I'm going to be watching it every night. I'll buy whatever goddamn package that I have to. I'm hoping it's Major League Baseball, and we thought that hey, man, maybe they'd get it going, but now I'm seeing other sports getting their shit together, and Major League Baseball isn't doing this, Spader. That's why it's so frustrating. It's not just come back and give us all happiness, some joy to watch our favorite sport anymore. Now it is, let's be first, do it right, be first, and capitalize on everything that's going on. Yeah, and I've, it's like you said, we've said this time and time again, they have that opportunity to come back and create new fans in the face of a pandemic. Something that hopefully we never see again, where you can turn tragedy into something great for the game, where people may always associate coming out of this horrible time with baseball being the sport that was on uh, and sort of walking them out of this pandemic era. And um, it, it's like you said, if they're not first, if you're it, it, Ricky Bobby style here, if you're not first, you're last, right? <laughs> I'll also say this. It's, you know, back in 1918, they had the pandemic. Was it just Philadelphia or something? Because they still ended up playing 130 games in 1918 during World War One and a pandemic. I mean, let, let's get it going here, folks. The owners and the players are both going to have to give. And I, first, I, I want to address the player side of things because a lot of the players want to get back there, but they also want to be safe, completely understand that. I think whatever protocols that Major League Baseball comes up with, it's going to have to be in conjunction. You know, They're going to have to bounce things off the CDC or the NIH or whatever the hell they need to go and bounce it off of. So it's going to be, you're going to assume that it's going to be, they're going to take care of you as much as possible. But I think there's some guys that just don't want to play because of money understand it you and i are both capitalists we get it with the money but this is something that i think if you decline to play if you're a star too especially a star if you're a star and you decline to play but the rest of your team is going out there and doing what they need to do i think that's going to be staying on your rest of your life we talk about sammy sosa in that last episode where sammy sosa he has an asterisk next to him because of the steroid use and people didn't like him i think if that player if there is like a bryce harper level player that decides not to play this year that is something that will stain his career and that we will never forget about and that will always be talked about whether it's right or wrong i don't think that i don't think there's a chance in hell of that happening honestly you you don't think there's a chance in hell that a star player will not play no maybe somebody who's you know not a star but i i think that it's going to be similar to what you're i guess you're seeing or hearing about with the nba where the the stars align these are terrible pun and they all come together and they um and they do this thing and lead the younger guys like we've talked about before mike trout justin verlander bryce harper all these biggest uh, na- all the biggest names in the game and they have to be uh 
at the forefront of this thing and represent the game and really represent the players union because Tony Clark I'm not uh, knocking the job that he does but he, he really isn't a representative of that union it's the it's the top 10 percent of the of the players union yeah who, I'm not so sure they're going to want to come back and play for the amount of money that they're going to be given so at the end of May that they're going to stop getting paid from you know the big what was it, 170 million there's a whole bunch of money they were giving them so through the end of May you're telling me that if a guy is going to go out there, we're going to play an 80-game season. We're just going to the assumption it's 80. Nobody's going to want to be the holdout. I, I just really don't think well, so. what if there's multiple guys that are the holdouts? That's, That's where you'd have a problem. I feel So we heard Blake Snell stuff. Is Blake Snell just bluffing? He's not a superstar, but he's not going to be the only one that feels that way. I kind of think that's showing his hand a little bit. I, I do sort of think that's a bluff, and I do think some of what he said was taken out of context a bit. Okay. But um, I, I think in the end you're going to see a, a united front here. That's that's the whole purpose of having this union. I hope you're right. And then on the other side, a lot of people are on the owner's side, which I still don't understand. I've never really – even as a kid I never understood this. The, why you would be on the side of the owners who really control everything. If the owners wanted to get out there and play, they would just say, hey, here's your money. We got a ton of it. We're going to give it to the players. We'll give you, we'll come up with a fair assessment and let's just get this going. But no, that not all these guys are the same. There's the owners in Milwaukee. You know, they've got a, they had to furlough a whole bunch of people. The Artie Moreno, worth over $3 billion, just gutted his front office. You know, this is not just hurting the players and the owners and the fans. This is hurting the guys that work in the front office that are the runners, the guys that go get lunch, the guys that help statistical modeling, the guys that make thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year that are not making a lot of money. A lot of people are out of this, and the owners has got to go on the owners too because they don't want to budge either. And it just is so short-sighted that you wouldn't spend money on the players right now to gain a massive audience and just hold back and wait to give it again next year. Which, by the way, Spader, how do we know that the owners are going to end up spending any money in free agency given that they're losing tons of money this year? We may have another crisis on our hand in the offseason if the free agent market decides to get suppressed. I just can't fathom being bearish on your own sport here. It, it doesn't make any sense to but me. But baseball has done that in the past. And it, it, it has and time and time again. I mean, let's look at these what these teams have been purchased for and every 10 years what they're worth and valued at it's i I don't understand not being long on your own position here but like you said they've done it they've done it over and over again they're the worst they're so frustrating so frustrating to to deal with major league baseball and to be in the business for so long it just it kills me so you also found something pretty cool i don't have the athletic and i'll tell you it's a personal problem because i don't write and they want to hire writers and they won't hire me so that's my logic for not subscribing to free athletic anymore i have it and i got fired before i started so yeah that was pretty good both of us should be very upset Uh, i'm upset because i don't do what they hire people to do and you're upset because you feel one way and they felt another. So uh, congratulations yeah. to The Athletic. And I'm not bad-mouthing them. They actually do some great work. Yeah, I, I just I subscribe just because I like a lot of the people who yeah. work there and I want to support them. So. so let's do this. You saw the Stark article. Tell me about it. Let's set the scene here with Jason wrote a guy that you and I both know very well. And I think, you know, here's a Hall of Famer. That man is a Hall of Famer in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Stark always does some of the best 
long form writing very very readable easy to get through and he did that with this piece here um, and, and included interviews with Bob Costas Joey Votto Terry Francona Steve Hurt who's a baseball statistician and then of course the official historian of Major League Baseball John Horn and um, some really really good input from all these guys here but really what it boils down to is if we get an 82 game season what value will that season have in terms of what the numbers are because over the span of 82 games you can easily have a guy who would do something that perhaps he wouldn't otherwise do over 162 specifically hitting 400 i look at June 26th to September 25th, 2004, where Ichiro had an 82-game span during that season where he bet at 422. Now, if you want to look at the first 82 games, Jason included several examples of those, um, or the last 82 games where Ichiro had uh, hit over 400 through 82 games, or Joey Votto hit over 400 over the last um, 82 games of a season. You go back throughout history and you can find a number of these examples. Rod Carew had two of them. George Brett had a couple. Um, Tony Gwynn, of course. And the I guess the overarching question is, well, to, to what value is that? If you hit 400 in an 82-game season, are you the next 400 hitter? Do, do you eclipse Ted Williams? And Joey Votto was adamant that, like, no, you don't. It's, you know, it, it still has value, and nobody's going to say it doesn't, but it's not the same thing. Uh, doing it over 162 games, Votto was very emphatic, in fact. I think he used the word no about 14 or 15 times in his responses to Stark. And um, <laughs> then he also went on to say that, like, however, you know, a team that goes on to win this World Series, it may be more valuable even though it's an 82-game season, it may have more value here because of what we're coming out of. So maybe the individual um, accomplishments won't be held in quite a high regard. However, I guarantee you we'll have somebody hit 35, 40 home runs over 82 games, and people will be like, uh, was he? what was he going to do? And, you know, do the same things that we did with 94 and 95. And wonder would would Mike Trout be the home run king and all those you know those questions and then you're gonna have we talked about on the last time guys like John Lester who are missing a half a season that they really need to add to their Hall of Fame resume and this is something that's going to be considered when these guys go uh, step to the plate for Hall of Fame voting but I think in the end the um, individual accomplishments will sort of have that invisible asterisk on it but the team accomplishment here winning it all coming out of this is going to be held in possibly even a higher regard at the very least the same regard nobody looks back to 1981 and says the Dodgers aren't the World Series champions because it was a shorter season they were the World Series champions 95 same deal I completely disagree with you on that though and we, if you talk to some of the older fans, they go back to 81, and yes, they still played over 100 games that year. What was this? 100 and, I want to say like 110 games. They got 110 games in, and that's, that's a pretty big chunk of the season. But if you play 82 games, 80 games, 82 games, and you win a World Series, there is no doubt in my mind that there will be a substantial amount of fans, and I can't 
pinpoint whether it's 20 percent or 40 percent or 50 percent but there's going to be a substantial uh, a group of fans out there that are going to look at that and say that that's not legit. only if it only if it's a team that uh, fans generally don't like as a whole like the Yankees or the Cardinals like the Astros I guess the Astros now but um, what would be less legitimate the World Series for the Astros I know what you're going to say or an 82 game World Series winner I would say equally legitimate equally legitimate yeah so see the, the Astros it's tainted for me. Their World Series win is tainted. 82 games, when you look back at it, oh, but it was only 82 games. And I've told you that I didn't really – I think the Braves World Series, they played, what, 150-something games that year? Still seems like, to me, it's an asterisk. It doesn't deserve an asterisk. But it was a shortened season. There have been shortened season champions, and I do think the public perception will be 82-game season. These guys deserve an asterisk next to it, or at least they'll have an asterisk to me. But you bring up a fine point to where the World Series coming out of a pandemic, and who knows where the hell we're going to be at that point. Uh, who knows if the NFL, you would think if we have a World Series, the NFL would have started and the NBA and the NHL and all this other stuff's going on. But this might be the most watched World Series that we've had since, I don't know, the early 90s. That's the other thing. So they don't play that many games, but the spectacle that would be the World Series, Spader, that's what this would be. Well, not only that, but baseball is going to get this right and then we're going to have all new fans to the game to watch That's the it? world series right i hope so i really do <laughs> i really do uh, the problem is they'll be going up against the nfl but if baseball is the first team back spader then i'm going to feel a little bit loyalty to it i haven't missed a football sunday in forever but if there's a world series game going up against an nfl sunday uh, or even a monday night football i gotta tell you if baseball comes back first and gives me that release i will be loyal for no reason, to baseball. I will watch baseball. Whichever sport comes back first, I'm watching the rest of their season before anything else. That's just how I am. I feel like it's going to give me such a, an amount of joy, an amount of normalcy compared to where I am right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know I'm going to be loyal to baseball no matter what. Uh, it's my favorite sport. Um, it's Honestly, I said it a million times, it's not the sport that I enjoy watching the most because mm -hmm. it's stressful. It's like watching, it's like being at the the blackjack table with Alan from The Hangover, sitting with the formulas going around my head. But um, you you mentioned something that I just caught off the side there, and it's you said you hadn't missed an NFL Sunday, and you don't know how long. You know, I covered the Bills for the Buffalo News one year, and I didn't yes. watch a single down of their games. And your stats were still good. They were fantastic. There's was, a lot of I was, guys, the, I was the number one rated article for them uh, almost every single time. A lot of guys that are in the uh, DFS, as I play a ton of daily fantasy sports, a lot of guys don't even watch the sports they bet on. It's, it's amazing. that they. I, I played NBA this year. I didn't watch any NBA. Very That's wild. NBA. So it really does come down to a lot of stats, but I don't understand how you think baseball is stressful. Like the first six innings of a baseball game, unless it's in the playoffs, how is that stressful at all? I, well, maybe my vocabulary is not that good. All right, it's not. I don't know if it's stressful. It's just I'm 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 watching it on edge because I'm trying to see like what piece of historical data is going to come out of each at bat, or what piece of uh, data or what's happening is going to provide future values, and um, it's. It's like doing. It's like a homework assignment when I watch a baseball game. I think what you have to do, and just get back on track here, if you're a fan, is 
you have to think, how would you view it if your team won the World Series on an 82-game season? That's a great point. Right? So if you're an Indians fan and you haven't won the World Series since 54, they hadn't been in the World Series. 54 was the last time they were in it or won it. It hasn't been that long. How are you going to feel about it, though? You finally broke it, but now it's an 82-game season. So I think the, the way that the fans view it is going to be the most important thing to me. The players, of course, you should be partying if you win a World Series. The owners should be partying if you win a World Series. If you lose the World Series, it still sucks. But I've got to feel like if there's a, the team, the fan of the teams that wins the World Series this year, if we have one, they'll kind of take a little bit away from that, yes? I, I, I just don't think I would. I've, I've got to be honest. Phillies win I, the I, World Series. This is awesome. Same thing, right? Same feeling as any other time, as 08. Well, no, because it's never going to be the same. 2008, that freed me. I don't think if the Phillies won in 2008, I'd be here right now because I was so devoted to that team. Mm -hmm. And um, I hated other teams. I hated the Mets. I hated, I, I mean, I still hate the Cardinals, uh, to be honest. But I, I hated the Mets, and the Phillies won it in 08, and I was like being, it was like I was being released of my fandom where I could actually pursue trying to do something in the game where if that didn't happen, I, um, I probably, I honestly don't think I would be doing this with you here right now. That's what happened to me as a little kid in 86. You know, that's, that's what it is. You're in your viewing prime and then your team wins and you're all over it. Okay, so we got the World Series after. Votto hits 400. Is that a legit 400? No. So I don't say it's an illegitimate 400, but it's something you have to consider. It doesn't carry the weight of the 162. And that's what Votto's point was. That's what um, my point is. And um, I, I think that that's what everybody's takeaway would be. It doesn't mean it's not an awesome accomplishment, but it's an accomplishment that has to be taken with a grain of salt, given the fact that it's uh, just over half the standard season. Hmm. That's a quite a fine point. Any other milestones that you see that could really go there, that would might have an asterisk next to it? I, I think the mo for the most part, it's going to be like those projected ones. Like I said, you see somebody. It, it, the thing is, it's so it's so much easier to do something over an eighty-two game span versus a hundred and sixty-two game span. Several guys have been on pace to break the home run record over an eighty. Um, what an 82 game span you look at a season i think it was jose canseco in like 1997 or 1998 99 one of those seasons with the rays he had 32 33 home runs over the first 80 games of the season and of course that wouldn't have broken the record if uh since mcguire had gotten it but he was well on his way to a 60 home run season before he got hurt it's just that's the thing it's 162 games is a grind and it's impossible for a lot of these guys to maintain a, a level or a peak level that they do over a shorter span. Last but not least, let me get to a Tony Gwynn thing. You love Tony Gwynn. Of course. I love Tony Gwynn. We all love Tony Gwynn. He's the man. So there was an article in the San Diego Tr Union Tribune, which came out on Saturday, and it talked about Tony Gwynn's first walk-off home run. It came May 23rd, 1986, against the Mets. And he hit a broken bat home run to walk it off. Tony Gwynn, broken bat home run to walk it off. You say, my God, this guy's hitting broken bat home runs back in the 80s. You kidding me? So would Tony Gwynn, let's, and he said, I'm not changing my game. You go, that's it. I could, maybe I could hit for power. I'm not changing my game. I talked to Ted Williams about this. It's staying the way it is. 
Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest hitters in the history of the game. If Tony Gwynn played today, and, or even back then, and changed his style and decided to go with a power hitter, would he be as good as he was? So my take on this is I think that Tony Gwynn could have been a better player by the numbers. However, he would not be quite as legendary and as known for what it was that he was known for because he was so good uh, at hitting for average and at putting the bat on the ball. Could he have been more effective striking out a little bit more if it meant uh, more power? Uh, I, I think so, yes. And we can look at a comparison that I make often that upsets people. Bobby Abreu compares very well to Tony Gwynn in terms of their careers. Abreu has him in on-base percentage, in slugging percentage, in times on base, in runs scored, in doubles, in home runs, in RBIs, in stolen bases. They're very similar in terms of their offensive um, advanced metrics when you're talking uh, wins above the replacement, no PS plus, and WOBA, and weighted runs created plus. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tony Gwynn uh, was not a better player than Bobby Abreu, but Abreu does compare very well. And because the reason he does is because, well, yeah, he didn't hit for that mega high average. He's still bad at 291 for his career. He struck out pretty frequently, uh, especially when considering how often people were striking out at the time. He struck out, uh, oh, shoot, almost. Um, uh, four times as much as Tony Gwynn did in his career, but he was nearly as effective because he had a different approach to the game. And uh, I think if Tony Gwynn had that approach, it's possible that he could have been a more valuable player. However, it would it would just take away from the lore of Tony Gwynn, and that is that huge batting average guy who um, was impossible to strike out. He could have done it too, couldn't he? If, if you're hitting a walk, I know it's only one, but a broken bat home run, a broken bat walk-off home run, I kind of feel like he could have tailored his game to be exceptional today too. You know, uh, just since I really want to talk Tony Gwynn when we get Big Cat back because we'll he loves him. We'll keep going and then we'll get, but, we'll get back into it with him. But one of my favorite Tony Gwynn facts that I've ever come across that is just something stupid but it's it's so much fun because that's how that's that's what these a lot of these facts when it comes to Gwyn it just it just comes down to the fact that it's fun right um, but uh, Tony Gwynn had more career home runs or inside the park home runs than Ricky Henderson and to me that's just unbelievable in and of itself but one of Gwyn's was an inside the park grand slam. And among the players who scored was Ricky Henderson. <laughs> oh my God! Really? <laughs> yeah. And then he was with the Padres. That's yeah, funny. right, right. And so then another thing that I really love is that um, Gwyn had a career high five stolen bases on September twentieth, nineteen eighty six. At that point, he had a higher single game high than Ricky Henderson. But then Henderson would later go on to steal five bases in a game in uh, July 1989. So I, I just think it's those are some of the cool stuff that when you when you come across Gwynn and you realize that yeah he is that legendary high average low strikeout hitter. He still has some unbelievable numbers as an athlete across the board too. You know what that was? Spader stats stats stats. <laughs>
Got anything else? Because that was pretty impressive stuff there. All you did was do your Excel spreadsheet and just pull those up, didn't you? Uh, what do you want? Some more Gwyn? I'll guess? just say this. I just, I just, I'm starting to learn Microsoft Excel myself. So, oh, is it tough? Uh, you're a little no. You're if you're doing Excel, you're kind of a little behind. Why? What should I be studying now? <sighs> I mean, at, at, le at least <laughs> SQL. Uh, at least <laughs> Access, I guess. But it, there's a lot of other programs that that. It, not just anybody in this business should should learn it's that stupid saying that was going around on twitter right if you want to be successful learn to code right every, right every it's 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 not that difficult it's like learning any, any other language you just got to invest time in it and it's something that i sh wish i've invested more time but so you it's, are now it's, a coder it's a process no i'm learning so i should not be using microsoft excel is what you're telling me you should be using it uh, rather than a pen and paper. Let's let's go with that. God, I'm holding the pen right now, though. It's so much fun. Yeah. <sighs> all right, whatever. We already did Spader stats. That was great stuff. And thanks a lot for telling me that all this class I put into trying to figure out Microsoft Excel doesn't even matter. Oh, it's better than nothing. Keep it up. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. And what's the next thing I should work on? Just coding? Well, access, I would say. I don't even know what that is. Is that Microsoft? It's access? a Microsoft program, yeah. yeah. All it's right, just everybody. Da databasing. You now um, learn just how screwed I've been my whole career because I've just been relying on talking the whole time and not actually having to figure out how to do anything else. So it's wonderful. Thank you, pandemic. Go fuck yourself. Uh, you want to say bye-bye and tell everybody to give us five stars? Yeah, do we, we don't have to do any Blue Chew or any of that today. Well, <laughs> I, I love Blue Chew. It's delicious. Um, I took one the other day. I'm still sore. <laughs> Shoot it up. No, no. Send us out. You send us out today. Do the five-star thing and say bye-bye. All right. Everybody, please jump on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, whatever the hell you're using, and give us a five-star rating. Tell us how much you love us. Tell Holden how much you hate him. That's so Thank mean. You. I'm in such a fragile state right now. If you do that, I might not come back and do the show next week. Oh, boo-hoo. Your, your situation so much worse than everybody else's. It is. <laughs> it really sucks right now, actually. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, I, I don't know. That was to, it? You're I don't done? know. To, yeah, I think that's all I got. You're Thanks done? for listening. Yeah, we'll We're get some do two more, more shows this week, too. We'll get some more guests on, on here soon. Yeah, I mean, I like, the, I like us talking to each other, though. I think that's what happens. You get into, like, uh, podcasting or, like, real radio, you think that's the – I just love listening to two people talk to each other. I I love that on terrestrial terrestrial radio though, and it's it's just dying, especially what? right now. Terrestrial radio is dying? Yeah. No, it's I not. Think, I, I think it's always gonna be around just because it is that live It's not dying, you know, dude. Uh, I'd love to tell you you're wrong, but it's not dying. Okay. It's uh, the uh, only uh, form of terrestrial radio is sports radio that's working. That is sports radio. radio. All right. Well, well, good. People that um, are. I'm talking. glad because because I love it. And uh, uh, I will say, no, never mind. I don't want to give stock tips on this. Why not? Uh, I'm somebody going to come after me. CBS Viacom. No, I. I'm, God, I'm still giving it to them. Uh, how about a? Uh, have you seen what your your old company Entercom has, has been? Are they doing? doing good? Yeah, I bought a bunch of shares at 80 cents a share, and uh, it's uh, more than doubled that right now. Uh, like a dollar seventy now? Uh, they one one eighty five after after hours right now. 
One dollar and eighty-five cents. Yeah. I have somewhere I have in a four hundred one k. I worked for them in like two thousand three and two thousand four. I don't even know where to find it, but I know I have some money left. It's probably worth a lot less than it was seventeen yeah. years ago. When you were, yeah, you're right. I'm not even gonna bother uh, looking at it for like yeah. twenty years. That's in my pandemic activity, uh, trading I stocks and options. That's what I do all day. That and porn. Okay, so <laughs> uh, for Spader, I'm holding Kushner, and this has been the Walk Off.